0: Welcome to episode 125 of the Burning Bush Podcast, where we share the message of the Bible while enjoying a good cigar. Hope you're doing well, and I'm glad you've joined me. Today, we're reading the New Testament book of Matthew, chapter 26, with commentary from the notes in the Charles Spurgeon Study Bible, and I'm smoking the CAO BX3 Brazilian Matafina in the Toro 6x54 Vitola. So let's go to the CAO website and see what they have to say. BX3 boasts a deep and complex smoking experience from its three Brazilian tobacco leaves. That's right, triple the exotic Brazilian tobacco. The marriage of these tobaccos yields a rich and smooth flavor profile synonymous with the incredible terroir of Brazil. Before crafting BX3, we had some experience utilizing Brazilian tobaccos from our award-winning blends, Cao Brasilia and Amazon Basin. It was unspoken that the rich soils of this region, which yield some of the world's most flavorful coffees, bring forward a depth of flavor that added an indescribable element to the tobaccos grown there. For BX3, We wanted to see how far we could take these flavors and how much exotic intensity we could bring to the table while still delivering the balanced profile for which we are famous. We started with a dark and oily Brazilian Matafina wrapper, bringing a flavorful depth and intensity into the equation. From there, we added a smooth and slightly sweet yet earthy Brazilian Arapiraca leaf to bind a blend consisting of yet another Brazilian Matafina leaf in addition to our best Nicaraguan, Honduran, and Mexican premium filler tobaccos. The result is something we are extremely proud of. A flavor profile that is intense, but not offensive. Perfectly strong in a way that brings out the depth of these flavorful tobaccos. When we left on our expedition to discover CAO BX3, we had one goal. To craft a bold brazilian blend and damn if we didn't deliver and the wrapper is brazilian matafina binder brazilian arapiraca and fillers are brazilian honduran mexican and nicaraguan it is a medium to full bodied suggested drink pairings are bourbon and aged rum and the tasting notes espresso chocolate cinnamon, and molasses. And the Vitolas are the Gordo, 6x60, Toro, 6x52, and the Robusto, 5x52. That is the CAO BX3 Brazilian Matafina. So let's go ahead and get into this week's reading of the book of Matthew, chapter 26. I am reading from the English Standard Version, the ESV, in chapter 26, verse 1. When Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, Not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. Now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. And Spurgeon comments on verses 8 and 9, When the disciples saw it, they were indignant. Why this waste? they asked. This might have been sold for a great deal and given to the poor. When you do the best you can from the purest motives, and the Lord accepts your service, do not expect that others will approve all your actions. There was never a more beautiful proof of love to Christ than this anointing at Bethany, yet the disciples found fault with it. As they could not object to the action itself, they objected another thing would have been better. There's a great deal of that kind of wisdom in the world, but if we wait until we learn that wisdom, we will never do anything for our Lord. If this devoted and enthusiastic woman had waited for the advice of these prudent people, She would neither have sold the ointment nor poured it out. She did well to take counsel with her own loving heart and then to pour the precious oil on that dear head that was so soon to be crowned with thorns. She thus showed that at least one heart in the world thought nothing was too good for her Lord and the best of the best ought to be given to him. May she have many imitators in every age until Jesus comes again. And back to Matthew, verse 10. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him thirty pieces of silver. And from that moment he sought an opportunity to betray him. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And Spurgeon comments on verse 26, As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat it, this is my body. The Lord's Supper is an emblem of the death of Jesus Christ, and of the way by which we receive benefit from it. The bread represents his broken body, and the cup his shed blood. These proclaim his death. The way by which we receive this bread and this wine is by eating and drinking, and this shows the way by which we receive the merit and the virtue of the Lord Jesus Christ by a faith that is like eating, by a trust that is like drinking by the reception of Christ spiritually into our hearts, even as we naturally receive the bread and the fruit of the vine into our bodies. These two words, take, eat, are the practical directions concerning the Lord's Supper, and spiritually understood, they are the gospel of the grace of God. And back to Matthew, verse 27. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Spurgeon comments on verse 30. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Was it not brave of our dear Lord to sing under such circumstances? He was going forth to his last dread conflict, to Gethsemane, Gabbatha, and Golgotha. Yet he went with a song on his lips. The door opens, they go downstairs, they are in the open air. That night of the full moon, and they wend their way to the Mount of Olives. Then came that desperate struggle in which the great captain of our salvation wrestled, even to a bloody sweat, and prevailed. And back to Matthew, verse 31. Then Jesus said to them, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And Spurgeon comments on verse 39. Going a little farther, he fell face down and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Here Jesus is not so much the priest as the victim. Our Lord is seen here bound to the altar, about to feel the sacrificial knife, about to be consumed with the sacrificial fire, and we hear him as though he were a lamb bleeding. His utterance is, Not as I will, but as you will. Christ was not afraid to die. What was it then? that made that cup so terrible after dwelling in the love of God from all eternity he was in a few hours to bear the punishment of man's sin Jesus was to be made sin for us he was to come under the curse for us he was to feel the father's wrath on account of human guilt and his whole nature not only his flesh but his whole being shrank from that fearful ordeal He could not tell what that cup of wrath must contain. Emmanuel sunk with dreadful woe, unfelt, unknown to all below, except the Son of God, in agonizing pangs of soul drinks deep of wormwood's bitterest bowl, and sweats great drops of blood. Hymn 348, Psalms and Hymns for Public and Private Worship 1838. And back to Matthew, verse 40. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given him the given them a sign, saying, "The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him." And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? At that hour Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out against, uh, as against a robber, with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. And Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest, and going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. Spurgeon comments on verse 58 Peter was following him at a distance right to the high priest's courtyard. He went in and was sitting with the servants to see the outcome. I have heard Peter represented as if he did wrong to follow Christ at a distance. I think he was the bravest of all the apostles, for scarcely one of them followed Christ at all at that time. Afterwards, John came to his senses and went into the judgment hall. Peter kept at a distance from his Lord, but he did follow him, and he did go into the high priest's palace. Peter was right enough in following Christ. It was afterward, when the temptation came, that he fell so grievously. And back to Matthew, verse 59. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so, but I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy, what further witness do we need? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered, He deserves death. Then they spit in his face and struck him, and some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ. Who is it that struck you? Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, And immediately, the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. And that's the end of today's reading in the book of Matthew. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to the Charles Spurgeon Study Bible, as well as today's Cigar. Also, Groundworks Ministries for daily Bible studies and devotionals, Treats and Truth Ministry, where you can get involved in helping to spread the gospel to and be a blessing to the homeless, and the Burning Bush Merchandise Store, where you can pick up some items to help spread the word about the show. And if you know anyone who needs to hear this, please let them know about the podcast and help share the message of the Bible, the hope we have in Yeshua Messiah, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to contact me, you can email me at steve at com, which is linked in the show notes as well. So until next time, have a great day, have a great cigar, and God bless.